To say we're living in uncertain times is an understatement. For the last two to three years, we couldn't be certain what was going to happen in the next 48 hours from now. And as humans whose primitive brains want nothing more than certainty, it can not only be unsettling, but it can really upend any shot that we have at becoming the best versions of ourselves or helping others to do that. But there is something that we can do so that we don't just survive these uncertain times. And today I'm going to share fundamentals every leader should know and be able to apply in order to engage and empower cultures, individuals, teams, even our children in these times when things are changing so quickly. I'm sharing a personal story about a time when I was on Oprah and the lesson it took me years to truly get as it relates to my daughter so that you can see how easy it is to unwittingly contribute to the very uncertainty and insecurity we are attempting to resolve without even realizing it. We're never going to be able to eliminate all the uncertainty, but there are ways to navigate that so that high levels of uncertainty don't really upset our leadership, our business, and even our parenting. This is an episode that I'm sure that if you are in any role or have anything to do with influencing and connecting with others that you don't want to miss. Hello, I'm Rita Hyland, and you're about to discover what it means to position your business, career, and life to play full out. This show explores the way leaders just like you embrace and achieve their ambition without working harder or grinding it out any longer. So if you want to take your life, business, or career to a playing full out status and do so while being the happiest high performer in the room, then hang with me because this show shares everything you need to know using the best of neuroscience, transformational psychology, and a bit of spiritual wisdom to help you change fast, even when it's uncomfortable or scary, or you failed to do so in the past. All this so that you can enjoy more freedom and prosperity in your business and life. I'm happy you're here. Hello, friends. I'm so glad that you're here today because today I'm talking about a topic that has been really tugging at me lately, and I feel compelled to share with you. It has to do with our influence on others that becomes even more critical in uncertain times, like the ones that we are experiencing. I'm combining some lessons I've learned personally with observations and some statistics that will startle you from conversations so that to help you become a better leader, regardless of the category in which you lead, whether again, that is you are a parent or you're a coach or you're running a restaurant or you are a leader in the corporate world, we all can be a part of a bigger solution to diminishing the uncertainty that is taking a toll and wreaking havoc on our well-being, our mental health, our emotional health, even our physical health, and that often leads to greater insecurity and eventually really does a number and wreaks havoc on our performance and our connection and our contribution, both at home and in our workplaces. Several years ago, I was on Oprah This was obviously before her show ended. The thing is, is that I was not on Oprah for the reason that someone like me would dream of being on Oprah. It was nine years ago when my oldest daughter was 10, and there was this popular conscious parent coach, some of you may have heard of her, named Dr. Shafali, 
who was looking for kids to interview about their relationships with their parents for what was to be eventually a two-part series. And my daughter was one of those kids interviewed. She, along with others, were taped in a conversation on a Saturday afternoon for several hours with Shafali. And what was to happen was that after that taping, a few weeks later, the parents were to return and go on to the set to be taped in what would be the live studio audience. And Shafali and Oprah would refer to the clips and discuss them. So what happened next was what was interesting and what I was somewhat unprepared for. But my daughter did her interview and then eventually we went down. My husband and I were encouraged and made certain on many occasions that we would both be in the studio audience on that day when the taping took place. And we got there on the day of and slowly realized that we'd hearing things that the producers love my daughter. They love talking to her, Dr. Shafali in particular really enjoyed the experience. And we were never allowed to hear what our children had said, but we were given information and that we would maybe be asked questions that we could respond to. And in short order, we were suited up with mics. We were moved to the front row and I became a little bit concerned about what was going to happen. The next thing you know, you know, the show begins and Oprah and Dr. Shafali are in the front row and I am facing them with my husband also in the front row, and the screen goes up, and it's probably two stories tall. And there is Dr. Shafali and my daughter sitting next to each other. And Dr. Shafali asks her, if there was anything that you could tell your parent about how to be a better parent, what would you want them to know? And my daughter's response was, sometimes when I feel pressure, And I talked to my mom about it. I don't really need her to always go into working mode of how you can solve things and fix things. Sometimes I just need a hug. Now, mic drop. Then the camera shoots over to my husband and me. And Oprah says, we have Castley's parents with us today in the audience. And she asks in general if we are surprised and specifically to me if I was surprised in my daughter's answer. And I was surprised, shocked, but I responded humbly that unfortunately, no, that too often I probably run around functioning, trying to get so many things done and that I'm putting out fires and fixing things and raising three young kids. And I decided, however, after that show and that international humbling, I might add, that I was gonna make an effort to do a better job, to be present, to listen, to be there for my kids. But unfortunately, I still really hadn't gotten and heard what she was saying. So fast forward many years, and she is a teenager. And we're having a conversation where she's struggling with something. And I start offering solutions to the problem. I wanted to, obviously, as many of us as parents do, want to take away their struggle. And she gets irritated with me. And she says, you know, you don't get it. You don't understand So typical, it wasn't the first time I'd heard that. It's not atypical of what teenagers say to us at times. And what I realized is that she was right. I was so busy trying to fix something, it turns out that she wasn't even asking me to fix. And I was likely pushing my own agenda to get things accomplished or remove her pain because of what I interpreted that may even say about me as her mother. 
What's more is I came to realize that each time when she came to me to talk to me, that by me providing ways to fix her struggle in her own moment of uncertainty, that I was making her more uncertain and more insecure. Now, why am I telling you this? And what does this have to do with you leading an engaged and empowered culture or team or simply another individual? I'll tell you, when I talk to talented individuals, when I'm in my own experience of coaching with individuals, what I hear too often is that same thing that my daughter said to me. My manager doesn't get it. He doesn't listen. She's got her own agenda going. She's not going to bend. He's not changing. She's not interested. And here's the worst part. In these moments of leadership, it's not what is said on the surface, that we didn't get it, that we're out of touch, that we don't care, that we're just storming through. It's not that that's so awful. It's actually the message that's delivered when we try to solve others' problems or fix things, especially when they're not even asking us to. What we're telling them is, I don't believe in you and your abilities enough to figure this out on your own. I'm not confident enough in you. Or the other side is, I'm so uncertain and insecure about myself in this moment that I need to give solutions to take me out of my own discomfort, which I will tell you doesn't make another person feel more secure and less uncertain than the uncertainty that they are already in the midst of. And now I think the important thing to ask is why is this so important? And here it is. And listen to this carefully because it really, really makes a difference. Insecurity masks wisdom. Insecurity, which is uncertainty, blocks our wisdom, which then leads to disengagement and disempowerment, which obviously leads to underperformance, right? So insecurity leads to people being disengaged. It can lead to teenagers being disengaged, but it also leads to our workforces being disengaged. And that is how we unwittingly contribute to the very problem that we're seeking to solve. We throw answers which actually make people more insecure, more uncertain, and really display our own level of fear, uncertainty, and insecurity. And the reason I think that this is so important was because I was really taken aback by a statistic that I just read in the past week. And it was in a survey of 3,400 people that was published actually this January by a human resources software firm, UKG. And it said that nearly 70% said bosses influence their mental health as much as a spouse or partner. Take that in. 70% of people interviewed said their bosses influenced their mental health as much as a spouse or partner. After coaching probably 9,000 plus sessions, this figure doesn't surprise me because I hear about it all the time, but it does confirm the importance of your role as an individual in a position of leadership. I know that it's not easy right now to be a leader or a parent for that matter, There continues to be a lot of uncertainty for the last two to three years. We haven't known what was going to happen 48 hours. We couldn't be certain of it. Today, the swing of the markets, there's decreased reliability in our banking structures. There are people being shot in our schools, our churches. On a regular basis, we're hearing that. We have on top of that our own personal 
worlds of being concerned with our own children's physical and mental health and well-being. We've got aging parents. And then as leaders, you get the information that 70% of those that are reporting to you that their mental health is influenced by you as greatly as their significant other. That's remarkable. That's a heavy, heavy weight. The thing is, is that what this means is just how important your role is. It doesn't mean that it's fair. It doesn't mean that it's right, but it does mean it's real. It means that it's real and that your influence and who you're being while you say and do what you're doing matters. We spend 66% of our adult life at work. And this is why improving our skills as coaching managers and as leaders and as our own self-actualized evolved selves is so important. What you do matters, you matter. And we need to be aware of what messages we're sending to those we lead so that we can choose to be positively infectious at a time when it is needed. What I see is that nine times out of 10, those that you lead are not lacking the skill set or the ability to make great contributions. But what is in their way is their uncertainty and their insecurity. And we as leaders have an opportunity and a responsibility, in my opinion, to do what we can to help them break through it, if possible, but certainly not to contribute to it, right? Not to exacerbate existing problems. Inspiring confidence is probably the most important part, a key part of managing people, especially in uncertain and changing times. So right now is the time to acknowledge the anxiety that is prevalent in our workplaces and even in our homes that employees may have, as well as the value of their work. I'm going to share with you right now three fundamentals for you to apply as you lead in uncertain times so that you become that positively infectious leader and positively infectious parent and engage and empower those with whom you interact. The first of these I feel very passionate about, as you can probably imagine, but it is to have a process to process your inner game. Have a process to process life. I just said all of the things as a leader that you're taking on and that you're responsible for. It isn't an easy time. In an effort to become our greatest versions of ourselves and to make the contributions and impact and matter in the way that we are gifted to do and have been brought here to do, we have to become self-aware. You have to get to know yourself. I don't care if it's a therapist, a coach, mentors. Your role as a leader in whatever capacity that is will grow in direct proportion to your personal growth. So what this means is that your business growth is going to grow in direct proportion to your personal growth. Your influence is going to grow in direct proportion to your personal growth. That's because you can't lead beyond who you are. You can't take people further if you aren't there yourself. I've probably mentioned the CEO of Nike, John Donahoe, who reports having multiple leadership coaches. He shares this therapist of 30 years. He's established his own board of personal directors or trusted friends that he turns to it for advice. We have to have a way of processing our own stuff so that we can move through it and that it doesn't become something that we project onto other people. And I share that because that's exactly 
in part what I was doing, I was projecting my own insecurity, unconscious, of course, when I think that I'm supporting my daughter in, in her struggles. A lot of that had to do with my own lack of knowing myself and what was really happening. And I'll share a little bit more of that in just a minute. But I've never gone without a coach since I've started with coaches many years ago, 30 years ago, probably. And I can't imagine where I'd be if I hadn't had one, if I hadn't had a process to process life. They've helped me see things differently so that I can take new and different action, which has ultimately changed the course of how I've led, the changed the course of how I've interacted and been able to influence. The second fundamental that I see that's so important for leaders at this time goes to that point of what I was just saying, which is know your intention. Am I speaking to cultivate the best version of the individual I'm leading right now? Or am I talking to my own agenda? Let me give you an example. Let's do a professional one. Your team comes to you, an individual does, and, and that person's struggling. They haven't been performing in a specific area. Maybe their new business numbers are down. Maybe they just lost a client. And in that moment, they are uncertain. They're not only just concerned about what this means for themselves and their work, but they're also, they're concerned about your impression of this, how you will respond. They are uncertain and insecure. Even if they have a good front, let me just tell you that. Even if they put up a good front, and even if they say, play victim, that it's something, someone else's fault or something else has gone wrong. That's even a sure sign. Defense is a sure sign of insecurity. I always know when someone's defending things that they are protecting themselves, which means they feel very uncertain and insecure and fearful. And from that, we always know you're never going to get your best version of their work product. So the question to ask yourself is, what is your intention? Do you have the best intentions first and foremost for the individual with whom you're leading? Or are you taking care of your own stuff? Maybe you unwittingly are thinking, oh my God, I got two other underperformers. What on earth? I can't have a third underperformer. And so what you unwittingly do is, with the best of intentions, of course, you start to say, okay, when was the last time you talked to the client? What happened? What is your plan of action? What exactly went down? Have you talked to this next consultant to get some more help? And that's all something that might eventually be part of a conversation, but in that moment, when an individual is coming to you with a struggle, anybody, you need to ask yourself, am I going to be here for that person or am I going to lead from my own agenda? And we have to be awake enough. And the way to be able to wake enough to that is to really, first of all, do a process to process your own life, to have that ongoing, that you're evolving yourself, that you can be awake as opposed to asleep. Am I leading from my own insecurity or my wisdom? That's ultimately... The question, remember your insecurity masks your wisdom. So is your insecure self leading or are you leading from your wiser self? And our ego or our insecure self can be really sneaky. Like I said, when I was solving my daughter's problem as early as at 10, and then unfortunately continuing too long into her teens, I was not truly operating from my wisdom. I hadn't totally heard her. I was in my insecure self who was scared of what it would mean to have my child upset. Or maybe I was too tired to listen that day and I just wanted the problem to go away because I was uncomfortable with pain. And as a leader, each time you talk to someone, the question is, again, is this my insecure self talking here, my defensive self, or is this my wiser self, my all-knowing self? Do I fear my own underperformance if I can't cajole this person to change in some way? That is what it needs to be considered 
as you're looking at what your intentions are, your true intentions are, because that other person, they can feel it. They tell me about it all the time. (laughs) They know if you're operating from your ego-based, fear-based, arrogant place, insecure place. And I'll tell you this, it makes them feel even more insecure. And it breaks down their trust and their further desire to engage with you. So that's the thing I know people ask me, well, then, well, what do you do if someone isn't engaging you with their struggles? Well, that's for another podcast. But in essence, they've lost engagement because they don't feel secure with you, right? Insecurity masks wisdom. Insecurity, comes, which comes from uncertainty, allows for us to become more disengaged and more disempowered. So be aware of being present for someone, not just to solve them, but to really hear them, especially in these moments when 70% of the workforce reports that their mental health is being conditioned or considered in light of the influence of their manager. That's a heavy, heavy and striking amount of impact to have. As a parent, you don't want to be known as the dad who your kids roll their eyes at because he's going to give the same answers and sees things one way or he's in it for himself. Just like in the office, you don't want to be that team leader who nobody wants to come to to share what's going on because you don't see the person accurately or you don't care for the person first and foremost. What I'm saying here is it's always psychology over strategy. Tend to the person, tend to the psychology of a person before you start going into the solution, the strategy, the fixing of a problem. The third fundamental I see really important and that's not done particularly well is to listen before leaning in. Validate the feeling the person's having. Don't try to take them out of their struggle immediately. Thank them for bringing it to you. Thank them for saying it, even if you disagree. There's a popular parent book. It's called Listen So They Talk and Talk So They Listen. You don't need to read the book to get a little bit of what it's saying is how do we do that? How do we talk so that people listen? What I can tell you and that I learned personally is that it isn't rushing in to solve people's problems. It's hearing where they are emotionally, validating them, saying, you know what? When your daughter writes and says she's struggling, I'm sorry, that stinks. And how can I support you? When a coworker or even a direct report comes in, and wants to share something with you that isn't going well, allow them to do a little bit of venting. People need a couple minutes to blow off steam. They need to tell their story. In fact, the book, I've mentioned it probably before, but Life is in the Transitions by Bruce Filier. He continues to say that we heal actually by telling our story. A lot of times you'll find that a person's got a problem that they've come to you with, and if you ask enough questions and you ask questions and you and you let them talk, they eventually resolve their own problem. They have the skill set, as I said. It is not a lack of skill set. It is their own uncertainty and uncertain insecurity. And by you being a witness, by you being present, you begin the process of them to be able to return to that level of security that will bring them back to unleashing their own wisdom. As a coaching manager, as an effective leader, those people don't solve other people's problems. They help the individual access their own wisdom so that eventually the person can do it on their own. Otherwise, you really are just a boss. You're just there to answer questions. And what happens is that you then become someone that 
is relied upon. Your team is not empowered. Your child is not empowered. And you don't actually ever become the leader of experts that you, in a good world, would seek to be. Asking better questions means saying things like, do you want to brainstorm ideas? Or do you have it covered? Never assume anything. What are your thoughts on it? What have you tried so far? I know you've done this before. What did you do in that scenario that worked so well? Tell me your ideas for a solution. How can you make this good? And again, be okay with people being in pain. Do you know that one out of five people report being lonely? And that people are going to doctors more than ever because that is their place where they can go talk? This would be another reason to have a process-to-process life, to have a process-to-process and expand your inner game. When I talk about you know listening before leaning in, I think that we would think that at this point, we would be better listeners with all the listening that we have to do. But the research really shows that we aren't and that we actually only hear 25 to 50% of the things that we are saying. I mean, I'm startled that it took as many years as it did for me to hear what she actually was saying, even though it was said right to me, it was said to the world. You would think I would have especially, but I wasn't truly and accurately hearing. We could all do a better job on that. I know, I'm sure you've seen and felt what it's like not to be heard. Another person's in their own head and instead of listening, they're thinking of how they should respond. We've all felt it before, right? And maybe we do it. We look for errors in another's thinking. We consider what we're going to say before the other one finishes so that we sound smart or interesting. We assume that we know what someone's going to say before they're finished. Oh boy, how often do we do that? Maybe we interpret others before they've given their entire you know, thesis or their entire explanation. Or we interrupt to share another story that we just thought of. Or all too often, we're evaluating ways that we can fix their problem that they might not even want fixed. And in all these ways, we never really hear the individual. And in that moment, when we don't witness and hear an individual, we make them even more uncertain, more insecure, which eventually undermines them and makes them even less empowered. It breaks away a little bit more of the individual's trust that you care, that you see them, that you have their backs, that you believe in them, that you have confidence in them. And that leads them to further mask their wisdom. In order to be the success that you want, you must pay attention to the other person very carefully. You must care about them first and foremost above your personal agenda, perhaps above your company agenda, above your friend's agenda. We have to be very keyed in. You can't allow yourself to become distracted by your next deadline or your iPhone or whatever else may be going on. You can't allow yourself to form counter arguments while the other person's still speaking. You can allow yourself to get bored and lose focus on what the other person is saying. Can't do it. How well, and this is what I've always found, that you listen says a lot about your relationship with yourself. Do you lack your own self-confidence? Are you open or closed? What's interesting is I've learned is how well we listen says a lot about our relationship with ourself. Do we lack self-confidence? Are we open or closed? Are we willing to be vulnerable? Or are we quick to defend or use judgment as a means to keep us safe? 
to me, the most self-assured, the people who have the best relationships with themselves don't have to defend something. They don't have to be right. They don't have to argue. They are curious. They're interested. They're willing to look at themselves as part of the contributor to something when it shows up. Are you comfortable or uncomfortable in the quiet moments? Or are you afraid to truly connect? In large part, self-awareness is the antidote to poor listening. Having a process to process life can help you become a better listener. There's always a reason that we're not listening. For me, in relationship to my daughter, I wanted to take her out of her pain expediently so that I didn't have to be in pain or feel like I wasn't doing it well enough. Perhaps that I wasn't a good mom as I interpreted it. I recognize right now that it is really an important time, now more than ever, as so many report the anxieties and the uncertainty and the feelings of not being able to sometimes even perform daily tasks and there's such a chronic level of even underperformance is that we need to appreciate people more than ever because what you appreciate appreciates, right? In these pronounced uncertain times, now's the exact time to recognize people's anxieties, the exact time to value what they're bringing. You know, I am so appreciated at work is a sentence I have never heard said by anybody. Remind people of what they have to contribute, what they're good at, that you have their back. People want to know that you know them. So encouragement is exactly what is needed now more than ever. Encore means full heart. Are we giving with a full heart? Are we giving just to get things done? There's another concept in parenting called positive regard, which means praise the effort over the outcome. If a baby's walking around and learning to walk at one We don't just praise them when they finally have walked. Every time they get up and fall down, their effort is what's praised, yes? That's what we need to be praising right now, recognizing the positive regard that we have for them. I'll never forget a story I heard a friend who is a therapist share about a father and a son, and the boy was a teenager, and the therapist was individually meeting with the son, but eventually had the father come in because he knew that the relationship was so so challenged. And they began yelling, actually, in the session. And eventually the therapist asked the father to leave and for a moment just to stand outside so he could talk to the, the son. He's like, what's happening here? What's going on? Why are you so angry? And the son replied, because... Ever since he found out that I had, you know, smoke pot, he never listens to me. He talks down to me. He thinks I'm a loser. He's always yelling at me. He's always telling me what to do. And eventually the son broke down and began to cry. You say, well, what, how's it applicable? In the corporate world, it's the same thing happens when we lead those at work. Team member makes a mistake or we expect them that they should be further. We are critical or we're judgmental or we begin to hold them in a box that because they made a mistake once, that they that's who they are. Understand that they believe what you see in them, whatever category you're leading in. What this gets down to is that you matter. Your influence matters. Who you're being while you do matters. If we review the three fundamentals to leading in these uncertain times, have a process to grow your inner game, to know your intention, Three, listen before leaning in. And as a bonus, appreciate your people. Appreciate what's going on around you. See what's going good. 
take stock in it, take note of it, and continuing your encouragement of others and of yourself. Give yourself grace when you make mistakes. Learn from them when you do. Certainly, that's what I'm here doing with you right now. I know that there's an opportunity for us all to grow and to evolve and that what is needed now more than ever are more self-actualized leaders in our homes and our workplaces. There is no limit to your skills, your gifts, and your talents. What blocks those and the resistance we have to unleashing those is what we all need to do to further unmask. And I know that you are on your way because you're someone that's here and listening, that you are passionate about your own personal and professional involvement. And I am thankful and grateful to have you in this community. If you know someone who would benefit from listening to this, please make sure that you pass on. I'm looking forward to being with you in our next podcast. This is the Playing Full Out podcast with Rita Hyland. Thank you for being with me today. By you listening to this, it tells me you're interested in growing yourself and likely not just for yourself, but to positively influence others as well. If you enjoyed this podcast, go ahead and share this with your friends and colleagues. When leaders like you grow yourself and then grow others, we all are positively impacted. If you have questions, I'm here to answer them and may even use them in our upcoming podcasts. Go ahead. You can send those questions to Breakthrough at RitaHighland.com. Remember, a half version of you is not enough. The world needs the full version of you at play. I look forward to seeing you on our next podcast.